You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're in a series called... It's spreading. Real life. Anybody live in real life? Don't, don't try to fake it, okay? Uh, and you know this about this place and when we come together you don't have to fake it we're either up or we're what and and don't forget that don't don't feel like you got to come in and act like ah yes i've got it all together uh everything's perfect uh blessings are just running away uh with me you know don't don't feel like you got to put on anything uh we should all be making progress i hope you are you know, that, that we're growing in here. You, you should have a better grip on things than you did when you first got saved. All right, come on now. We all wake up, get with me here. Okay. Uh, you should be doing better. We should be growing. Paul told Timothy that you should have spiritual progress that is evident to everybody. It should be evident. It shouldn't just be that you're dusty and faded, you know, and all stiff and stale, you know, there, there should be some growth. There should be some life and so forth. And so, but that's not without a cost also on your part. You've got to lean into some things. You've just got to make up your mind on some things. How many of you ever wake up some mornings and you can't even identify what it is, but you just kind of feel, come on, please tell me it's not just me. Okay. And you know what? You've got to push through that. You got to push through that. Sometimes it's what you ate the night before. Sometimes it's what you stayed up late watching on television. Sometimes, you ready for this? It's even the the enemy of your soul, the devil. You know, it's a lot of different things. But the thing is, don't stay that way. Push through there. Make a choice to rejoice. Uh, Read God's word even though you don't feel like it. Uh, My mom used to have a bumper sticker that said, if you don't feel like praying, talk to God about it. You know, so even when, you know, get around it one way or another, but you need to talk to him, get a, get a word in with your sponsor. Okay. And, uh, get the get day going, but don't stay down. Whatever you're going through, uh, remember this. I shared this with you again on Sunday. If you're going through hell, keep going. Okay. Don't camp out, you know, don't lay down. Uh, keep going, keep going. Amen. And, uh, God is faithful. I can tell you that God is faithful. I cannot promise you that everything's perfect and sweet and wonderful in life, but God is faithful and he does take us from glory to glory. He does take us from victory to victory. He does take us from strength to strength and faith to faith. Uh, But it does take some gumption on your part. You can't just be this passive whatever and, you know, uh, you got to dig into that. So what I just shared for you uh, with you is for several of you tonight. I just kind of sense in my heart. Uh, real life, this whole series, we're, we're talking about real life issues. We've talked about decision-making and self-worth and anger and, uh, forgiveness. First couple of weeks of this, I talked about forgiveness. Some of you may want to go back and hear some of these things. And the purpose is to help you with these real life issues. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff all, all year long on Wednesday nights. Uh, the purpose is to help you first of all. And then it's to help you to be able to help because you know that you're blessed so that you can be a blessing. And just as hurt people hurt people, guess what? Helped people help people. Healed people heal people. You know, and free people free people. 
And uh, you've, got, you've got some obligation. Some, I hate the word obligation even. You've got some responsibility that comes with that, that, that you go on and you'll be a blessing to others. So we've been uh, tackling these real life issues. So tonight I want to move on to something I believe is very, very timely. And um, you would at first say it's probably not a problem, but it is. It's a huge problem. And uh, I believe it, if you respond right to this, you're going to release great joy into your life. And you're going to have a greater reward in heaven. All right. Well, maybe we'll talk about something else. Uh, tonight. No. All right. Let's start out with this. 2011 is a year of what? Connections, connections. And so I want you to bear that in mind because tonight I want to talk about real life, personal evangelism. I I just felt you clench up. Personal evangelism. Don't worry, this is going to help you tonight. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Listen to it in the Amplified Bible. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives for God as a fisher of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. Now, we catch men alive or the devil will catch men alive. Y'all. We catch men alive or the devil will catch men alive. We believe around here that everybody spends forever somewhere. And we're going to do something tonight that hopefully you'll internalize this. that will help you to kind of break something. We've, we've kind of just about everybody I know has formed this little cocoon and cushion around their heart when it comes to evangelism for a number of reasons, fear for one. And then we want to relegate that to, uh, to the church, to the pastor, to ministries, to TV ministries. We want to relegate it all. But you, you need to understand that you and I have a personal responsibility to be a connection for somebody else to get them in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to let you off light on this one tonight. How many of you are glad someone was a connection for you? Okay. Somebody went out of their way or it was in their way or whatever the case may be. Maybe it was a cold call in that day. Maybe it was somebody that you knew. It was a Sunday school teacher. It was a coach. It was, it was your mom, your dad, your grandpa. Somebody along the way was a connection for you. Now, our whole society and culture has changed incredibly. I got, I got born again in sixth grade. That's way last century. And our world has changed drastically. Uh, since then now moving moving on from that churches knowing that we needed to do this formed incredible programs but this is something you have to be careful of is that you don't just make something a program because then you do things by rote you do things out of obligation and then by rote and it really lacks the heart and we feel like we're supposed to do this and so we go one church i was a part of growing up uh, Wednesday night, or excuse me, Monday night was witnessing night and you got shamed into it and you showed up and divided up into teams. And then here we go. This cold calls all over the place and everybody came back, you know, 
And, and people were fearful. You had to shame them into it. It was this program, you know, maybe I need to memorize some more, whatever it would be. And it, and it just, you know, there were people that got born again in that. But I'm just thinking, Lord, there's a better way. There's, there's a better way. And so we're going to look at this tonight, uh, a number of aspects of this. And I just want you to think about this too. Everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. And am I, am I to be a connection somewhere? And either, either I'm a fisher of men, either we are fishers of men, that we catch men alive, or the devil will catch men alive. Now, we all know and we recognize that we should share our faith. We all know and recognize that we should invite others to church. Second Timothy two four, Second uh, Timothy four five rather says, "But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." Now the reason I posted that verse there is because some people say, "Well, that's the job of the evangelist to take care of evangelism," when actually it is all of our jobs. To do the work of an evangelist. There's some people that are evangelists and they're anointed for that and they're gifted for that. And and they are able to evangelize in ways that you and I cannot and do not. And there's some people that they just got something about them. They're they're able to uh, be fishers of men in in big measure. Y'all smile at me just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Now. We all know and recognize that we should share our faith, that we should invite people to church. But I want you to hear this. Yet 95% of Christians, 95% of Christians have never led another person to the Lord. 95% of Christians have never led another person to the Lord. Now, let's just think about this. Do you believe that God would use you maybe to lead somebody to the Lord? Can you imagine if that 95% had led somebody to the Lord. Did you know that right now there's about 2.3 billion Christians on the face of the earth? Now think about that. 95% of them have not led anybody to the Lord. Ministries have been effective. But just imagine if, I don't know what 95% is out of 2.3 billion, but let's just say that it's 2 billion. What if 2 billion people led somebody to the Lord? Then you'd have 4 billion believers. We're already the largest religion in the world. Regardless of what you hear on the news, there's no other religion that is big, as big. There's no, we are the largest group on this planet. But in some areas we're losing turf and we're losing momentum and we're losing a lot of things. And, and the Lord is saying, no, we're not giving up like this. And so it's grassroots all over the place. And what the enemy has meant for evil and discrediting a lot of things, causing terrorism and other things in the world. Actually, God is going to be able to use for good through personal evangelism. The changes that have happened in our society, the changes that have happened in our culture actually make it easier for you to evangelize. It's true. So let's look at this. Uh, Lifeway Research posted this week. This is a brand new survey, Lifeway Research. 82%, everybody say 82%. 82% of all unchurched people would come to church this weekend if they were only invited by a friend. This is fresh surveys. Y'all hear me? Speak English. Okay. 82% 
of the unchurched people that you know would come to church this weekend. That's the way the survey was formed for this coming weekend. Would come to church if they were only invited by a friend. I think we should invite our friends. Come on, I think we should invite our friends. All right, I'm going to keep you all late tonight and tell them I have to. All right, let me talk about something else that is very current right now. There's um, some talk, some teaching, a book, a number of other things. Uh, And let me just go ahead and set some things straight here. There is a real hell. And there is a real heaven. It's not just a matter of we have some heaven on earth and some hell on earth. Now listen to me. There's a real hell to be shunned. And there's a real hell, a real heaven to be gained. There's real deal. Everybody's going to die at some point. And then everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. And we just keep putting that off. You know, that would never happen to me. This would never happen in my life. You know, we have that kind of mindset. We see things happen on the news. That would never happen here. That would never happen to me. Well, guess what? The mortality rate for the human race right now is 100%. And so, you know, you need to realize you're either going to die or you're going to fly. Now, if Jesus is not your savior, forget flying. Okay? I'm talking about the rapture of the church. That ain't going to happen for you unless you're one of his. Okay, so everybody, it's appointed unto man wants to die. And after that, the judgment, and you need to know that the judgment largely has to do is who do you belong to at that point? And so this is a very, very important thing. Now I'm going to go back to this again. 82% of all unchurched people would come to church this weekend. If only invited by a friend, other studies show that 80% of people that respond to an altar call. 80% that would respond to an altar call came to church because of a friend. This leads us up to what I have been referring to as relational, invitational evangelism. I want you to say it with me. Relational, invitational evangelism. And I think you kind of know what all that means. Let's let's break this down just a a little bit here tonight. We're we're not going to take forever, but this is an important thing. And this is the other uh, timely importance of it too, is we're heading into Easter weekend. And in case you have forgotten, Easter is the day, man. This is, this is the big, this is the deal. All right. Now the biggest thing I think we need is motivation. I can give you numbers all day. I can do all of those things. I could, as I said, some churches have done shame you into it, but I think what we really need is motivation. It begins with a burden. There has to be some passion. And you can do your best to try to stir that up. You can do all, all kinds of things to try to stir that up. But I, I, this is what I believe. I don't think you can fully have a burden. You can't really fully have passion. You really can't fully motivate yourself. This is something God has to do for you. And I believe it's something that you invite God to do. And it's one of those dangerous prayers. And I want to invite you to pray a dangerous prayer that God put this in my heart, that it's not okay with me that my friends, my neighbors potentially are going to hell. Y'all are too quiet for your own good tonight. Now I'm going to take that as a sign to just keep on here. You've got to get to the place that it is not okay with you 
that your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, family members are, are going to hell. This can only fully come from the heart of God. It can't come from a program. It has to come from you bending a knee before a holy God who so loved the world that he gave. The only person God has ever abused was his son. Because of his love for the world. And and we're going to have to bow before that holy God and say, do something in my heart. There have been times in my life, honestly, where I felt like hard, cold towards some things. Why does that not move me? Why am I not touched? And you know, that's a dangerous place to get. And I don't ever want to be there again. So you need to have your heart softened and broken and get before God. And I dare you, I double dog dare you, I triple dog dare you to bow before a holy God. And say, do this in my heart. Break my heart for the lost. You can program things to death. I could give you statistics all day long. You know, but that won't fully do it. You can say, I should do this. I should feel this way. That won't do it. You've got to have something holy. You've got to have something from heaven, not from earth. You've got to have something from heaven. Earth, earth and the world dying Nothing on earth could save the people on earth. It had to come from heaven. And that same kind of love and that same kind of burden have to come into our hearts. Could I get some kind of halfway decent amen out of you tonight? All right, thank you. Now now we're on a roll. For there to be room in your heart, and you've got to hear this, okay? This is going to be tough on you. For God truly to do that in your heart and for there to be room for that kind of burden and passion in your heart. Listen to me, look at me. You're going to have to stop judging people. You're going to have to stop judging people. Number one, you're not qualified to be a judge. So dismount your great bench and come down with the rest of us. And we cannot judge people. And, and how many of you know that's pretty easy to do? Uh, I saw a picture today online on a, on a news feed of a crazy famous celebrity right now and i just could not believe how bizarre and how weird and how ungodly and and all of those things and and you know what and i've already been working thinking on this for a few days and actually for months god's been doing this in me and you know what instead of and and i caught myself realizing you know in previous time i would have just judged and said how foolish and how stupid and how ungodly and you're gonna burn and and instead i see this hurt person this hurt person who's out of control now because of money and fame and, and everything else. And because we, we live in a crazy world that gets a hold of people like that and just wants to use them up, you know, and people around you are hurting and people, all behavior is need motivated. And we've got to stop judging people. You know, just look at them and look, and look how they're acting and this and that they're sinners. What did you do when you were a sinner? I know what some of y'all do in your believers. <laughs> My point, we're not qualified to judge. Cut it out. Because part of what happens is it accomplishes nothing good and godly. And it crowds out your heart. It crowds out your heart from God being able to put a passion. How are you, how are you going to have passion and, and love and a burden for somebody that you're just judging 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 
And so we got to repent of that. And when we get before God, repent of that and then ask God, God, put your love, put your passion, put this, this motivation down in my heart. Amen. Now, I mentioned cultural and societal dynamics um, that now make invitational, uh, relational invitational evangelism the most effective form. I'll briefly go into this, okay, just briefly. In decades past, churches would get buses, send buses into a neighborhood. Kids would just get on buses, take them, take them off, see you kids. When are you going to come back? Sometimes they wouldn't even ask. <laughs> See ya, yay. Uh, so much has happened as far as uh, dishonoring children in our culture that, you know, I don't care what color your bus is. And if you give them free ice cream, uh, you are not coming in my neighborhood and picking up my children unless I absolutely know you, know you, know you, know you, and know everything about you. Y'all with me? So there's massive uh, bus ministries and things like that. Guess what? They don't work. They don't work now unless a church has so saturated a neighborhood constantly in there that they know that church and those people. And that's a rare, that's a rare thing. 9-11. Need I say more? Our entire world changed. You used to could go and uh, I can remember actually being on a flight before and flight attendants chasing people off the flight. You got to go now. No more goodbyes. And you go right down to the gate. As soon as they came off the plane, you hug and kiss, you know, and you wait, wait until they send them off, you know, and now we got a strip. Come on. And take off your shoes and do this. And, you know, you can't take half of what you need with you. And, and you know, we're in a whole different world. And it's in an effort to keep us safe because some people are intent on not us not being safe. Everything changed from that day in a multiplied fashion. So, that so much so we're suspicious of anybody that comes to our door if we don't know them. If we don't know them. And so we're in a place. Now the enemy has done a lot of things. I hope you see that he's done a lot of things. To cut off the supply line of the church. Of being able to go out and evangelize. Where then you know going door to door. That didn't work. Y'all with me? Uh, and what the enemy meant for evil. Now God is able to with 2.3 billion believers. Scatter them. And guess who they they can talk to? Guess who they're positioned to? Guess what? The only way a person will listen to you is through a relationship. It's through a relationship. Now, there are instances where, you know, confrontational evangelism, just spontaneous evangelism. You don't know somebody and God will work that. But by and large, the most effective form of evangelism in the world is relational invitational. So relational, first of all, that there has to be some kind of relationship that they, they know you. There's friendship, it's family, it's a coworker, it's a neighbor, it's a vendor, it's, it's somebody that you kind of know. Second part of this is invitational. What does that mean? That you would actually invite them into church. 
And church is kind of designed for that in, in a big way that we are so happy with what God has done for us. We're going to share the good news of what he has done for us in every service. And we want people to know our savior. I want people to know our savior. And, and you know, that's why we've made a, a, a practice, for lack of a better word, that every service, 2011, every service so far, we've given an invitation. We've given some kind of invitation. And you know what? God is honoring that. And people, people are just readily and freely. Pastor Mike and I were talking about the other day. It has just been powerful. I wish you could stand where we stand sometimes down, uh, during an altar call as people come forward. And you see what's going on in their life and on their face and, and tears and multicultural, multi-generational. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And all of you are to be a part of that. Yeah, I got to plow because I got to tell you some ways to do this here. First of all, realize the message, is, uh, the message that you would share with anybody is good news. Okay? It's good, it's good news. It's worth sharing. But it's also worth sharing right. Remember I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. We are to be salt. And we are to be light. And we're also to be what? Sugar. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. We're to be sugar. There's nothing worse than just a salty Christian. Okay? There has to be some sweetness, some kindness about us. I told you I was a young, impressionable young man. And I'm standing around with these men from the church. And they look like deep sea fish, the expression on their face. And one of them had the gall. I'll never forget it. His first name was Ray. And he turned to me and he said, son, give your life to Jesus and you can be like us. Dear God, I'm going to be a pirate or something. Man, I ain't going to do this. I'll join the carnival. Because it's sad. Be salt, be light, be sugar. And let me say this. Share like you would want someone to share with you. This is a real key. Share with someone like you would want them to share with you. Um, I hate for people to put things under my windshield wiper. I, I don't like people to stick things on my door. I don't like to be yelled at. When I was uh, attending a university in the northern part of this state. Um, walking across this student union area, there's this guy, he'd be up there couple days a week just yelling at people to repent and they're they're going to burn and 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 they're going to hell and i just wanted to say you know dude part of that is right you know wages of sin is death but maybe on the other side of your sign you could put the rest of the verse like but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord maybe this is about good news and and nobody likes to be yelled at and you know i seen over the years people with a bullhorn or little sounds of just yelling at people people don't want to be yelled at and if this is good news you don't have to yell at people about the good news you wouldn't want to be pressured so don't pressure people and here's the other thing too let god help you and be prepared at some point that when you invite somebody or you're sharing with somebody lord don't just read it and don't do it by rote the lord jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Will you receive him now? 
You know, you wouldn't want somebody to do that to you. And you wouldn't want somebody to pressure you either. You know, they're all up in your face. You know, you don't want that. This is good news, folks. And you need to handle it in a good way. It's a message worth sharing. And it's worth sharing right. Another important thing. You do not have to be a theologian. And you do not have to know all the answers. You just have to know that God's been good to you. In John chapter 9, there's a man who was blind. Jesus wandered in and gave him his sight. And all the religious folks are all up in in arms about this. And they come to this guy who's just received his sight. And they're asking him all these questions. And I love how he responded in John 9, 25. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I I don't know. One thing I know, that, that though I was blind, now I see. You don't have to have all the answers. You just share your story. I used to not have peace. I used to be very confused. I used to have this. I used to was constant pain or fearful or whatever. And, and God forgave me of my sins. I got a sense of peace and I've got a sense of purpose. And, and I don't feel alone anymore. And God is with me and he helped my marriage and he helped my job and he helped me with this. And, and that's, you know, you share that. And it's just your story is something real. Don't make up something and don't share some story that doesn't relate to you. It's good news and you share your story and, and don't be intimidated if somebody says, well, what about this? Say, I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this. I once was this and now I'm this. And you don't have to act perfect or anything else like that. Just, you know, I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, I once was very afraid and now I've got peace in my life. And share, share that. Just be real with folks. No one can argue with that. I like to put it this way. A person with, a, with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with, a, with an argument. You've got an experience with God. They can argue all they want. And you're never at their mercy. Be prayerful. Prayerful. Um, most of the resistance that you would have either in yourself or with another person is spiritual. It's spiritual in nature. And so what you've got to do is prepare this by way of prayer. Ask God to set things up. Let me tell you the easiest way to get involved in this. Tonight when you go to bed and tomorrow when you start your day, ask God, God, use me somehow to reach somebody for you. It's simple this. Say, God, would you set something up today? And would you make it obvious to me? And see, God will not send you up against Mr. Granite. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just somebody that's so hard and not prepared at all. God will set things up for you. And I think you just need to pray and say, God, work in somebody's heart. Set this thing up. Make it obvious to me. Make it obvious to them. And then help me and fill my mouth with the words and give me the courage to do it. And, And Lord, put in my heart that it's not okay to just walk away from this. Be prayerful about this and and look at me. You're going to be amazed and you might miss a couple times and you might chicken out a couple times and God is merciful. You know, there's a situation. How many many of you guys, when you're in high school, I know everybody does things by text now, but when I was in high school, if I was going to ask a girl out, I'd call her and we had rotary phones. How many of you do not know what rotary phones are? And I kind of liked rotary phone and I liked if their number was like, seven nine nine because it took longer so you go you're getting closer you get getting closer to that push the button 
no, I'm going to do this. I do this. And then you go back to it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Now it's just a little text, you know, or whatever, you know, anyway. Um, but sometimes you would chicken out and I've had, I've had opportunities in my life really to, to share the Lord with somebody or just to invite them or whatever. And I've chickened out, you know, and God doesn't say, that's it. I want to meet you at five o'clock, turn in all your stuff. (laughs) He's not that way. Now, don't, don't say, well, Pat said I can chicken out. No, no, that's not the plan. We're not planning on chicken out. I'm just saying if you do chicken out, repent to God and say, God, give me another chance and make sure somebody gets to that person and help him. Make it really clear this time. And God will do it. And you know what? When you walk away from it, you're like, yeah. Because God, you were working with God. I'll show you a verse on that in just a second here. This is what you do. You just do your part. First Corinthians three, verse six through eight. I'm almost done. First Corinthians three, verse six through eight. Paul said, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but God, it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important? What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their hard work. And, and we'll find in later verses there too that you're working with God. So I want you to hear this just real quick. I'm going to wrap up in just a minute here. Some hearts are not ready for harvest. They need more time. They need to be softened up. They need more water. Get ready for this. Some soil is not ready for seed. Do you know that? If you've ever been a gardener or a farmer, sometimes the soil is not ready for the seed. So it's got to be softened first. And sometimes the softening is just you being sugar. You being nice. You, you being a real deal Christian. Not religious. Please don't be religious because I got news for you. Nobody wants to convert to be religious. You mean I get to change my voice? (laughs) God help us. You've got to be real and be real in front of people. And by seeing their good works, they're going to glorify God. That you're salt, that you're light, that you're sugar. And let me add one other thing. You're consistent. Not perfect, but consistent. And when you're consistent in front of them, you know what? You, you help to soften things up. People will watch you and sometimes they'll watch you for years. And then, you know what? They'll find themselves in a need or it is time. And God has done some other things. And they go, you know what? I've been watching you a long time. And you're the real deal. And I want what you have. I pray you get a day like that. I pray I got a day like that when I was in college one day. A guy, a guy had watched me through high school. And they ended up at the same college I was at. And then he watched me at college. And he went off the deep end at college and he watched me and I was not perfect, but I was consistent and I was real. And one day he came over and he, and he talked to me and he said, all right, I want what you have. He said, I've seen religion. I've seen church. He said, but I want what you have. And I, and I got to pray with him and God set that up. God set that up. So we've got to be real and we've got to trust God that God will help us to do this. Amen. Now, 
Like I said, some soil is not ready for seed and might need to be softened up. Some people you may invite and they go, no, if I go in the church, the building will fall down. (laughs) This is what you can tell them. Then watch it on TV. Watch it on internet. Here's how to get a podcast. Here's a CD. Hey, we're strategic about this. Here's some other ways. And then they'll say, hey, that's not so bad. I actually kind of like that. And next thing you know, I'm meeting them at the door. And I meet people just about every week that have been invited by folks. And they say, I wasn't going to come. I wasn't going to come. And then I started watching and it's like, and I'm glad I came, you know, and, and I'm telling you this works. All right, let me just finish up. In second Kings chapter seven, verse nine. And I'll just tell you the brief on this just real quick. And Samaria was sealed up. Syrian army had surrounded them, besieged them. Famine now was in Samaria. You want to know the truth of it? And it's a huge place, a walled city. And they were eating all their animals, including their horses. Donkey heads were going at a premium, and I'm not joking. Dove's dung was going for a premium. Y'all hear me? People were eating their children. It was a horrible, horrible situation. The city is starved. On the outskirts of the city are the outcast lepers. There are four lepers that are so hungry. They said, you know what? We're, if we sit out here, we're going to die. If we go in the city, they don't have anything. And the enemies out there that have blocked all the supply lines and surrounded this place. You know, if we go to them, the worst case, they're going to kill us. We're going to die anyway. Maybe they'll feed us. Maybe they'll let us live. So at nighttime, they wander out there and these guys are lepers. You've heard this. I've told this. You've read this. They go out there and God caused the sound of these four lepers walking across the desert. Out to this camp to sound like invading multiple armies. So much so that the Syrians fled and left everything. They left a trail of clothes, they left a trail of, of riches. They left all their food, all their supplies, everything in their tents. All right there. And these guys walk in bonanza and they're eating all of this and they're storing it all up and they're putting stuff in their pockets. I mean, everything else. And then they get to this. They said, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we remain silent that night. They went back in, they woke up the King. They woke up other people and the King said, no, this is a trick. This is a trick. And they said, no, come out and see for yourself. And they said, no, this is a trick. This is some kind of trick. And, and, Scripture even reveals that the lepers said they were this smart. They said this, take the five horses you have left. Because that's all they had left, five horses. Get your five horses that you have left and put some men on it. Go out there and see if we're telling you the truth. And they went out and found and then they came out and they plundered that camp. And then the next day, uh, meal and meat and everything else was just virtually free because of that. Now that is a huge true story, but a huge picture. That you and I that are born again, that have received Jesus, you know what? We're not going to hell, we're going to heaven. We get forgiveness of sins. We have peace in our life. We're not alone on any problem that we have. Y'all hearing anything I'm saying today? God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Every situation that I have, that you have, God will help you in. We have victory over the enemy. We have favor in this life. And let me just tell you something. We're not doing what's right. Because this is a day of good news. And we remain silent. And it's okay with us. 
That we've got friends and neighbors and co-workers and people all around us that we have relationship with. It's okay with us that everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. And we're really not sure where they're going to spend it. God break our hearts. And the big issue is this. Not so much your technique. Not any kind of program. Not being at the right place at the right time. God will take care of that. The big thing is, is that you would bend your knee before a holy God that loves the people on this earth. And say, God, would you put that in my heart? Would you do that in me? And you've got to make room for that by getting judgment and everything out of, everything else out of the way. And God will help you to do that. Let me tell you something. Either we will be fishers of men and catch men alive, or the devil will catch men alive. Amen? We have a perfect opportunity in a little bit of time frame, too. Because Easter is coming. We don't have a story Unless we have Easter. And unless Jesus was raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Our preaching is in vain. Everything else is in vain. But the thing is, he is alive. And I'm going to tell that. I'm going to tell that this, this weekend the best way that I can. I'm working everything that I know to do to be as prepared as I can be. I'm believing God to help me like never before. We're going to have incredible music. This place is going to be bathed with God's presence. Staff, tomorrow we're coming in here and we're spending a good amount of time just praying. And we're believing God. And it's not okay with me that there's a whole bunch of people that are in iffy land or or whatever. And you've got a job to do. This is real life, folks. You've got a job to do. Don't get scared about this. Pray. Tonight before you go to bed and tomorrow when you get up. And make that a part of the pattern of your life. God, use me in this. Break my heart. Put this in my heart. Your passion, your love for this. And then God, use me today. Set something up. And maybe you'll just be part of watering. Maybe you'll be part of planting. Maybe you'll be part of harvesting. But all of us can be a part of watering and inviting. And I tell you what, services just set up for things like that. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?